As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, adventurers. On today's episode, we're going to finish up with part two of the worst DM advice article. A uh, great little article we found over on the dmlayer.com. Check out episode 77 to see the first half of that. Before we get into that, some quick housekeeping. I want to give a huge thank you to a couple of people who left some reviews for us. All five stars, of course. Uh, Lance Criminal Galen says, great RPG podcast. This is a great podcast to get ideas and hear entertaining stories about D&D and some other games. I'd love to hear more about the 90s game Dark Conspiracy. Now, I read this to Jim, and he started laughing. He's like, that game is so 90s, and I really hope that he gets into this just for you. Uh, and Paco Bracken says, love it. Please do a director's cut of classic stories. I love your content. Thank you for all your work. You are not the first person to ask us to do the director's cut of Old Man Henderson. So, of course, now we have to do it. We have to now. Thanks so much to both of you and everyone else who's left us a review. Uh, if you're still listening to us, shoot us an email to curmudgeonsanddragonspod at gmail.com. Give a screenshot of the review that you left. I've got some swag bags we're going to be sending out soon. And I know there's some people who were expecting swag bags and haven't seen them yet. That's because I'm getting new stuff to put in the swag bags first. Uh, I don't want to send you a half-fast swag bag. No one wants a half-fast swag bag. We're going to send some good swag bags over. So curmudgeonsanddragonspod at gmail.com. Let us know that you left the review. And if you haven't left the review yet and you want one of these swag bags, go ahead and leave a review right now. A five-star review gets you a swag bag. We'll send it over to you. Uh, also, you'll realize that the show is releasing on a Monday now. I uh, shook up the schedule a little bit. Uh, rather than doing our Wednesday, Friday releases, we're now going to do Monday, Friday releases, Monday for the full episodes and Fridays for RPG horror stories. This not only spreads out the show a little bit more, so they're not just on top of each other, but it also makes my editing a lot easier and we can get shows out on time with show notes, et cetera, et cetera. The link to today's article is in the show notes if you want to read along. Otherwise, let's make everybody worse DMs and give some bad DM advice. Everybody roll initiative. Sometimes talking with friends feels like role-playing. Sometimes it feels like combat. Join us at the round table and roll initiative. This is Curmudgeons and Dragons. Hello, adventurers. Welcome to Curmudgeons and Dragons. My name is Jason Portizo. 
Today, I am joined by Ms. Josie Diaz. Hey there, hi there, ho there. And Jim Crocker. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Greg's having some tech problems, so uh, he's going to come back next time when his computer is not literally on fire. <laughs> Melting down. Yeah. Right, right. A little I think fire I can, can smell handle, the smoke from here, actually. That's, that's <laughs> true. That, that um, Yeah, that, uh, that toast uh, smell that you have all the time, uh, that's actually that's Greg's computer. That's not a stroke? No, no, it's great computer. Oh, fuck, no I've, wonder the NHS hates me so much. Yeah, no, I have great, great news for you. Greg's computer having a stroke. You've, you've come down fine. to, you come down the bad case of the Greg's computers. Mm. Um, <laughs> so today's episode, we are, uh, we're going back to finish up one that we had started before. A couple weeks ago, we had done uh, the top 15 worst DM advice ever. This is an article from the DMLayer.com. And uh, today we're going to do part two, finish up uh, numbers uh, nine through 15. So uh, good, because I, I, I need a lot of advice before I can be a bad DM. Well, then, well, Jim, you're what, in Jim? luck. We're going to give it to I you, got Good news for you, Jim. <laughs> Excellent. We're going to make you as bad as we possibly can today. I think this uh, first Josie, one that we're going to read is going to be perfect for you. Josie, we're going to make you even worse. Perfect. Uh, and myself even worse. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, episode 77 was part one of this. So go check out commandersanddragons.com slash 77. Uh, that'll bring you right to the page there. Or you can use your favorite podcasting app and just look for episode 77. So today we're going to start at number nine, work our way through the end of this thing. Yeah, you guys ready to do this? Yeah, I'm hit it. Born ready. Let's go be bad DMs. Number nine, don't interfere with players who cheat. If that's how they have fun, who are you to say otherwise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got some really good uh, examples in the in the article here. It says uh, uh, some players are overly aggressive and like to punch their fellow players in the face when they don't get their way. If that's fun for them, it makes them feel better. Who are you to say otherwise? Probably the person yeah. that's getting punched. <laughs> I am the one that will say otherwise. It's a, it's an obvious logical extreme, but right. I, like even if you know fudging dice and whatever, because that that's not just. Like that doesn't just affect you, right? It's the whole the whole game gets messed up if you're letting people do that. So right. you, you can't can't do that. Yeah. So the dice fudging is uh, is an obvious one. What other like brazen cheating have you seen at your tables? Oh, absolutely. People willfully misinterpreting the way their class abilities work. I was going to say the um, same a lot thing. Of times we'll see something like the, you old, know, the old generous yeah. read. Yes, exactly. The old generous read. Yes, the exceedingly generous read. <laughs> you know, and like like people that know, you know, like effects aren't supposed to stack, but they stack them anyway. Mm. Things like this, you know, I'm third level and I can move 280 feet and around. Well, let's break that down and no, 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 no. Here's three ways that that's not true, that where you doubled and tripled when you shouldn't have and all that kind of stuff. The other thing about... Oh, like, you know, if it makes the, if it makes it fun for that person, who are you to say otherwise? Literally everybody else at the table, why are you making sure one person who is playing incorrectly is the one having the most fun? Arguably, if yes. you're going to let that per like, let's say you're going to let that person cheat, but you're going to let them know that you know and just fuck with their character. Like, just be a dick about it. <laughs> that's, that's a good DM tip. If you see somebody cheating, fuck their day up. Is it though? I think so. Which is, again, why nobody lets oh. me DM. <laughs> it's it's true. Josie wrote yeah, this yeah, article. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. It's crazy, I mean, right? And, it's based and, off of personal and, experience. 
and there's, you know, and th- like there's cheating and there's cheating, but you know, you just, you address it. You say, that's not going to fly. You don't need to get any, like, you don't need to start a fight over it, but you do need to nip it in the bud when you see it, whether yeah. it's, you know, regardless of how intentional it may have been, you know, cause Why there's are a continuum you there a collaborative from- game. This is a yeah, co-op. Well, there's a there's a continuum there so from honest win, mistake obviously. to yeah, yeah to, to total dick. And wherever somebody falls on that, you gotta cut them off and and play the game, at least as everybody agrees it should be played. That doesn't mean everything needs to be rules as written. But yeah, if you're cheating not together, written, that's different. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, yeah. Well, che- everybody cheating the same way is what we call a house rule. Yeah, that's so exactly that's, what that yeah. is. Number 10, ignore the rules. Do whatever you want as the dungeon master. Why play the game then? Rule, <laughs> rule of cool, Just baby. Fucking go outside and play pretend with your friends. Go in the pool, play mermaids with your buddies. That sounds great, actually. What color was your tail, Jason? <laughs> uh, black, obviously. That was Ugh, boring. Goth mermaid. Mine was orange. Obviously. Yeah, naturally. Jim. Jim, what color what? was your mermaid tail? You can tell us. Tail, I never, I, I did not have a mermaid tail. Oh. I was not, I was not a, not a mermaid. Jim doesn't play house rules. I, was like, I, I don't play house rules. That's right. Yet, like, like. You never I, went I mean, swimming with a, your cousins a, and you guys were like, let's play mermaids. Not really. No, we would see because like when we went swimming, we would play um like Aquaman and Submariner and stuff like that. that like, counts. like we were like under, like underwater superheroes. So we could pretend that we could like, you know, swim at like a hundred miles an hour and stuff like that when we're under the water. Yeah. Less, less mermaids and more superheroes. That's fine. So, but if you want to ignore the rules, go do that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he, he says in the article, uh, I'll agree on the premise that the DM has the authority and the right to change the rules when it makes sense to do so. However, just doing whatever you want whenever, just throwing the rules completely out the window is pretty dumb. There, there's absolutely places for house rules. There's even like almost, I don't want to say universally agreed on house rules, but there's like really common house rules that I've heard of from multiple tables and a couple that I've adopted at my tables, like the, uh, you know, the, the bonus action potion rule is a pretty common one. I see that yeah, a lot. Yeah, like cr- crit, crits on skill checks and yeah. stuff like that. That's, yeah, yeah that, that you there see a lot of people using. A mutual understanding of what the rules are. Different rules on crits. Uh, a lot of players, mm-hmm. uh, players who have, players who are not brand new coming to my table, they'll straight up asking, what are your crit rules? Oh, okay, Ooh. sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can do, we do like a mini episode on on stuff like that. On a couple different versions of crit rules. I love mini sods. They're so little. Yeah. the The important thing here is a thing that that I was going to say, but but that he says in the response is, um, your players need a shared understanding of how the game works. Absolutely. And if if you're going to make changes, you tell everybody what those changes are. Or if there's a particular, and that's not just uh, like m- making house rules, but that's like if there's a place where you're just going to hand wave it. You know, you're like. Like, like if you decide that like rolling dice to climb walls is boring and you're just going to hand wave that and just let people climb as they need to, then you got to tell the rogues that so they're not putting a pile of points into it, you know, yeah. to be good at it when it they turns out they don't actually need to invest anything in it. Like sure. that sort of thing. Yeah. Something like, uh, you know, it, to speed the game up for this particular campaign, I'm treating these things like this. And this yeah, way, a lot of people use a lot of people use alternate initiative systems, and those can mess with people that have invested in you know going first and stuff like that. So, sure, sure. Yeah, that yeah. Guy, if you're going to do that, you got to let people know. Yeah. 
Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, I see a lot of hand weaving with like like long travel. Sure. Is one yeah. that uh, that my DM does mm-hmm. a lot. We do a lot of like it's like oh it's like a three days ride, and we'll we'll basically like hammer out a couple of like random encounter rolls and like okay it's three days later now. Yeah, and the ranger's sitting there, dude. We don't have a ranger. What? Okay, I, I was just gonna say. I was just saying <laughs> exactly. we don't. We don't. We don't have yep. a ranger, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's and and, and that that's that's those are the kinds of things you got to pay attention to. Like if you don't have a character that's specialized in a particular thing, and so it's not interesting for somebody to right be great it. Yeah. at it, yep. then you can just like we're just gonna kind of just skate over that. Yeah. Yep. So let's be a lesson. If you play a ranger, you're making everyone do more stuff. Fucker. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Rangers are awesome. Stop that. So, Jason, this prompts the question, if ignoring the rules and doing whatever is you want as the Dungeon Master is a terrible idea, the Dungeon Master should know all the rules, every single one of them, right? But there's rule 11. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Dungeon Master has <laughs> oh. to know everything. Yeah, you have to have an encyclopedic brain yep, to that be two, a DM. That 300-page book you bought, uh, you have to Memorize read all of it. it. Take and, notes uh, on it. And be able to quote scripture and what page and paragraph everything is on. I'm sorry, that's, you, you said that 300-page book, like there's not three core rule books for D&D that you need to know every page. I'm of. just talking about the one that you bought, not the one that you downloaded the PDF for. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I mean, you got to know all the player rules, right? And you got to know all the DM stuff. You got to know yep. the, oh, and the, I'm sorry. And, and this is a, this is a tangent, maybe a thing we've talked about, but the, the 5e DM guide is such a, is not a good book. It is not, well laid out. It is not easy to follow. It is it is a slog to to read through that thing. It is difficult. Uh, and and of course you got to know all the stats for all the monsters. Oh, so maybe course, that one yeah. you do actually you highlight and annotate. I generally don't do highlighter in it. But what I will do is put those little tabs that go on the pages, right, mm. so that you can find stuff in inside the book. That's that's a thing. I'll, I'll yeah, little like um, little like post-it note things, little flags. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah I got I got books, a bunch yeah. of flags in uh, in a few of my books. Mm-hmm. Better than dog earing a page and ruining it like a savage. Don't ascribe to that but, philosophy. I mean, but joking aside, I do think this is a thing that can keep people from starting to DM. And in DM sure. Academy, I'll see a lot of that. I'll see, I'm not really 100% confident on all the rules. Am I ready to be a DM? And it's like, like yeah, bro. You are. You've been DMing for 15 years. Get over it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and and like, like if if you're... If you're willing to do it and step up, do it and step up because yeah. like unless your friends are absolute dicks, the people in the game with you want you oh, to succeed are. and will help will help you succeed. I mean, and maybe even if they are, they still want to have fun. They they selfishly want to have fun themselves. Sure. So how dare uh, they? So 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 you know, they'll join in to help you out on that. No, no. That's like uh have the books at the table with you. Be willing to make rulings on the fly that then at the end of the game, you look it up and say, oh, well, maybe we didn't do that right. Nick, from here on out, we know what's going on with that. But chances are, even in like a 20-level campaign, you're only ever going to use a third of what's in all those books. So there's no A whole third? To- <laughs> <laughs> maybe across 20 levels. It could happen. Sure. Uh, but but my, my yeah, thought, like my thought is know. that uh, the any of those books, I was I was going to say the DMG, but really, it's really all of them. They are reference textbooks and not yeah. novels. They are not meant to be read cover to cover. They are meant to you know you read a couple of sections to get what you need, and the rest is indexed reference. Mm-hmm. If you need a specific rule, if some weird corner case comes up, you know, hey guys, take five, get me a beer, and by the time you come yeah. back, I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Calling for those breaks. Yeah. You're the judge. You can call a recess. Or you just make the, uh, make the judgment call, make the, make the executive decision, but this is how we're doing it now. And um, we'll check this out later if it's not catastrophic. And the other thing I've found is that like, if you know the basics of it, in game design terms, D&D is called an exception-based system, right? Because there's a, like, the core rules are very basic. It's like, roll a D20, add or subtract a number against a target number, right? And mm-hmm. then everything else is just messing with that, tweaking that somehow. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, and whatever, there's movement and all that kind of stuff and, and how you handle, like, like where people are and stuff. But, but basically, everything is ways to deal with that and what happens after that. And as long as you kind of understand that and you have a, you know, you have grasped that intuitively, even if something comes up that you've never encountered before, if you have a pretty good grasp of everything that's gone on so far, you can usually make a pretty decent ruling that makes intuitive sense, even if it might not be exactly right based on rules as written, as long as you're just, you know, willing to to roll with it. So. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a no, but I'll allow it moment. Sounds like a Greg yeah, moment. And that, that, that can happen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, not knowing everything about how to DM or even like everything about the rules should not be a roadblock to you DMing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only your first session, but your 50th session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, gee, you've been DMing for how long? I've been DMing for 35 years. Do you feel like you know everything, everything? Oh, Christ, no. I mean, I've been, uh, well, and and not least of which because in that 35 years, there's been like eight editions of D&D. All right, fair. And so every time a new one comes out, I have a, I, you know, I have an understanding of how D&D works kind of conceptually as a game. But, you know, what did they do to grapple rules this time? I don't know. Let's find yeah, out. Yeah, true. Um, but the, but the, I'm not going to bother little, looking it up. The little granular <laughs> stuff, yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to bother looking it up until someone says, you know what? I think I'd like to try and grapple them. And that's when I go, oh, fuck. Okay, let me, <laughs> let me flip through and, and find out how that works. So, I mentioned before I had, yeah. I had a character based on grapple. So I showed up yes. to this. I showed yeah. up to the session with the player's handbook, with um, <laughs> with the post-it notes on the page, and be like, "Hey, listen, here's my intention. Here's how the rules work. Is this cool?" <laughs> like, yeah, and that's and if you have good players, that's another that's another aspect of this, which yeah. is, you know, like when you do your session zero or your setup or whatever, your expectations are to say to the players, "Look, I don't know this whole subset of the rules." You know, your job is to understand how it works. And then when we come to the game, you know, you do your thing and uh, and it'll be cool because you know it. And I'll just, you know, roll with the punches as we yep. go. And that DM did exactly what a, a good DM way. He looked at it, thought about it for two seconds. He's like, yeah, I can make that work. This is the, char- mm-hmm. this is the character you want to play. Cool. Number 12. And uh, I think this is this is good, bad advice. Number 12. Yes. A dungeon master must use special voices. But why, <laughs> I love that they use sk- Jason? Sk- why must you sk- use sk- the special voices? <laughs> With scare quotes around special voices. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. like fucking live your best life. You don't have to. If you, not everybody's a professional voice actor. Not everybody can do different accents or like modulate yep. different voices. <clears throat> Types. We are in a very spoiled time right now where we have infinite access to lots and lots of very, very, very good DMs and players that we can watch and listen to anytime we want. Critical Role is, uh, as for as much good as it did for the game, I understand, I don't agree, but I understand when people say uh, Critical Role has has hurt the game too by, by being too good at it 
it makes it harder for other people to get into it because your expectations are too high. Critical Role is not gaming. Critical Role is a television show that uses gaming as its framing device. Yeah, that's that's actually um, pretty good. Yeah. Are there, these the, uh, these players are literally professional voice actors. I remember like I tried getting into it. There's just way too much for me to catch up on. But I remember the first couple episodes, one of their players couldn't be there because she was away accepting a BAFTA award for her voice acting work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. It, this is literally uh, you know, they, they are professional voice actors. And you your friends who probably work in, you know, whatever jobs they do, anything from the high schoolers who are working at Chick-fil-A yeah. up to uh up to, you know, my friends who are are working in concerts and stuff like that. We are not professional voice actors. So at the end of the day, it's if you don't want to do it, you <laughs> don't have to. That's it's just flavor. For what it's worth, I have a BFA in theater and have taken dialect classes, like multiple dialect classes. Good shit. And I use it very, very sparingly. And mostly like if I'm gonna do a special voice, I won't try and do an accent. Like I won't do like, you know, all dwarves are Scottish. Uh, you know, kind of thing like that. I might lower, raise or lower my voice, like like slow, you know, slow the speed of you know that I'm delivering stuff or speed mm-hmm. it up a little. But I think the one of the important things here is you don't even need to speak in the first person ever if you don't want to. As the DM, you can just say they say this. Oh, yeah. um, yeah. They they tell you, know, you that you this is say, not a good idea. Exactly. Um, uh, they're really angry when they when they tell you, um, uh, you know, they're really angry when they berate you about having killed that guard at the gate instead of just, you know, um, uh, presenting your credentials so that you could be let in normally. You don't even have to do like you don't even have to speak in the voice of your characters if you don't want to or you're not comfortable doing that. And and you can run a great game that way. You can even skip the dialogue part and just explain what they're mm-hmm. saying. I, I think that's what you're yeah, just trying to say. For sure. Uh, yeah. I've had a couple where like they blindsided me with what they with the questions they were asking, and I knew what the answers mm-hmm. were, but I didn't, I didn't like I didn't flesh the character out enough to have this. These are one shots. Uh, so yeah. like I, the characters weren't fleshed out enough for me to like have a personality for them. I just had like mm-hmm. uh, this particular dwarf. He just had like a slightly lower voice and very soft, um, and so like everything was like this uh and like they asked like a pretty complicated question with like a lot of plot stuff in yeah, it smr oh. dwarf sure. yeah that's <laughs> i'm like <laughs> uh so rather than making up a whole monologue with a ton of plot points it's like okay he explains to you these bullet points as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, totally yeah, legit. That's it. Well, this this rule feels to me like like replace special voices. I mean, like you must create concept art for your character. Like 
if somebody comes in and they're like, oh, yeah, like sure. I've drawn my character out for you. Uh, so everybody knows what it looks like with the outfit that they typically wear, the weapons that they use. Like that's cool. And it definitely adds more dimension, but it's not necessary. It's just a little, sure. it's, it's flavor. It's that's like saying you have to uh, design 3D print and paint a miniature for your character by session one. Yeah, like yeah these sure, these are all sure. above and beyond things. Of course, you know it's a little easier to make up a voice, but but this you know, these are all kind of on the same level. Uh, if you do like doing voices um, and you're kind of new to it, uh, we did an episode on this way way back. Um, this is uh, got back when Justin and yes, Jack were on the show. Before I was on the show, yeah. Wait, well, this is this is episode yeah. eight. Marsandragons.com/slash eight. That was the voice acting uh, exercises episode. Oh my god, he did his Obama impression. It was funny. Uh, so fun, so there's some funny stuff in there. Uh, the sh- the show is still very unstructured. So this is uh, that's that's us in our infancy. If you want to go check that out. Yeah, but but that specific thing also brings to mind uh, this. The doing voices thing is also potentially a minefield. Like it would be one thing. Like if I were to create a character and I was doing the voice of my uh, grandfather from Maine, my white grandfather from Maine, that, you know, that's, I can do that and get away with it. And, 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 and it might be funny and fun, uh, yeah. but like, but like if I do it, if I create a character and I'm doing my, uh, uh, my Peruvian sister-in-law, that's maybe not so good. Um, you got to be careful about bringing, you know, real world stereotypes and things like that into when you know when you're doing those voices, or or you end up sure. you know, like and Hank Azaria portraying a you know an Indian immigrant kind of thing. So got 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 to watch out for that sort of thing too. Yeah, be cool. Number thirteen, you must play D anD D first before becoming a dungeon master. How would anybody start playing if your group of friends is like, oh my god, none of us have ever played D anD D before? Like, let's do it. What are you going to go hunt one down? It's not it's like like the advent of the internet. It's a lot easier, but also I don't want to play with any old Joe Schmo. I want to play with my fucking friends. Yeah, if your if your group is all learning at once, like someone has to step up and do it. It's mm-hmm. it's just you know buying and reading one more book, and I'm sure some in your in your group of friends, somebody and just just close your eyes and think of who it is. Somebody <laughs> is the type to either we we can either call it taking charge or <laughs> or you know. Wants to control the whole thing. Someone mm-hmm. in your group mm-hmm. does that with everything else. So just think like, yeah. who decided where you guys go and ate lunch the past couple of times? Maybe get them a DM guide. Yeah. Uh, I'm very lucky where a lot of my friends are DMs and we can, you know, we, uh, we play in each other's games and I learned from them and from, you know, obviously from listening to D&D media, but you, you can just jump right in just like they're jumping and playing. You can jump in and DM. Yeah, and there's a ton of, um, uh, for lack of a better word, there's a ton of privilege kind of built into that assumption that like you have places around where you can go and play D&D before you learn it and that you have groups you can find and stuff like this and that it's not, like you said, you know, you're, um, that it's not just you and some friends and you don't already know a ton of people that already play D&D. You know, certainly when I first did it, I mean, like, Back in the seventies, it was because I saw it on a on a shelf in a store and went, "This looks really cool," mm-hmm. you know. And then my brother and I, my little brother and I, just sort of muddled our way through our first couple of games, and then picked up some other friends as we went along. And you that's Dungeons I mean, and even, Dragons in one book, yeah, exactly. It's a even with as, 
even with as supposedly ubiquitous as it is out there, you know, there's not the, like, like there's a ton of people going, you know, how do I find a game? How do I find people to play with? And, you know, best way to find a, find a game and find people to play with is grab it, flip through it, go back to the rule that says the DM doesn't need to know yeah. <laughs> everything <laughs> about the game, fire it up and go. Yeah, for sure. I'd be curious, Jim, did, did you, did you play before you DM the first time? Um, no, I don't think so. Well, maybe God. I mean, so with the, you know, keeping in mind this is a long, long time ago, sure. honestly, like my first, my very first exposure to D&D as an idea was the D&D coloring book from the 70s. Oh, I and love I that. I picked that up in a store one time and I flipped through it and I went, this looks amazing. <laughs> and the next time I was in my little local, you know, like, like the kind of store that doesn't exist anymore, like a tiny little independent store that had like, little, basically like an independent um, department store, you know, and they had a little rack in the back that had, you know, some D&D books and, you know, some other early role-playing games or whatever, villains and vigilantes and stuff like this. Uh, and, and I just, I just picked up a, uh, like you a know, rip-off. I, I saved my, you know, I took some birthday money and paper route money and, uh, bought that very first, uh, like the blue box D and D set, the, the Holmes basic box set mm-hmm. that came with keep on the borderlands in it. And, uh, you know, and like I said, it was just my brother and I just sort of muddling through it, doing a, you know, kind of solo game. And then I picked up a couple of other friends and we just all sort of kind of, you know got into it organically and this is all pre-internet and stuff like that. So it was totally just us figuring out, figuring it out as we went along. We didn't know anybody else that played or was even remotely interested in any of it. So, you know, there was no critical role. There was no Reddit. There was no any of that kind of stuff. So it was just figuring out, figuring it out as we went. So, yeah. I'd like to hear from if anybody listening is a, not only, not only a forever DM, but a never player, like to see what kind of experience you have in this and what got you into it and why, uh, I mean, I'm going to assume there's a lot of circumstance involved with your players not wanting to step up, but we'd like to hear from people who are doing that. Getting down to the end here, number 14. Don't bother making interesting NPCs or villains since they'll just die in five minutes anyway. Oh my God. Yeah, because they were so boring, I had to kill them. Like, that's no, that's stupid. On one hand, don't, don't spend hours like, pouring backstory into this minor character that might get like five minutes of your time on the table, but don't make it a cardboard cut out of a person that you could replace with any possible thing. And it would still work like that just takes you out of the immersion of the game. And it just feel, I don't know. It feels icky. And there's two, there's kind of two sides to this particular coin. They'll just die in five minutes. Or maybe they fucking won't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well, one of them is because your players will just kill them. That like the PCs will just kill them in five minutes, and that's not good. And you kind of want to avoid that. You want to have the PCs get engaged. Or the only reason you put an NPC in is so that you can have a you know have the players get invested in them just enough that you can then kill them to you know force them to seek revenge or you know be sad or whatever. You know, NPCs are what give the game life. Yeah. Beyond just just the player characters, so yeah, no, it's it's important to have to have some that some that stick around, so that the story means something. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's for the villains too. Like, you know, okay, I don't need the backstory of every little bandit that I'm about to kill, but like, I don't want to hear the, your the, sad sob story of a monologue. 
I want I want to have yeah, our interaction that, and I want to go. Yeah, save that save that for the real villains, all right? Yeah. Um you know, not everyone's gonna die in five minutes. You know, you don't know that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm not gonna become best friends with that cobalt, which I tried doing and my artificer killed him. Yeah, and 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 I think this is one of those other things where like you can't read anyone's mind. And so I am always fascinated at which piece, you know, like what the PCs fi- fixate on. Mm-hmm. I'll introduce three, four characters. I'm like, oh, this is my this is my piece de resistance NPC. This is the coolest NPC I've ever made. They're gonna love this guy. And like they they have they have no interest in that guy, but they fixate on the kid that sweeps the floor in his shop, right? Something like that. You know, uh, and and then you just gotta say, okay. This is what they're into. This is going to motivate them. Everybody is excited about wanting to get to know this kid and take care of him. So, boom, that's it. We've and you've got a hook, and you've like like killing those NPCs off that people get invested in is basically punishing them for engaging with your game. Mm-hmm. And that just sounds, this feels like a terrible idea to me. And also, if you're gonna, you should save that for a plot bomb. Mm-hmm. If that, if that ever has to happen. It should feel devastating, not like, oh, you killed another one. Uh, yeah, it should be it should be important, an important moment. Yeah, that you that you foreshadow and that makes sense and that has consequences afterwards and and that you allow the players to have their to, to react to in and that's the other thing is that if you're gonna do that, you gotta be ready for the players to react how they're gonna react and not only to react in the way that you want them to or expect them to. You have to leave room for you know, different reactions. Number 15, and this is pretty directly related to number 14. Every important NPC must have a complex backstory. No. What if I kill him? <laughs> it's, the, it's the opposite extreme. I don't need to be bored to death with every single shopkeep and bandit and every mm-hmm. everyone's uh, you know story about their kids and uh, some people can just be background characters. It's fine. It's yeah, and like, and this is the thing where like you don't necessarily know going into it which NPCs are going to end up being important and not, which is to say, like important to the players. The players are going to decide this which one they're going to be like to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened in one of my first campaigns where like my character was introduced by like, I was having a romp in the hay with the farm boy because I'm a bard and that was what I wanted to do. And I was like, looks like that town's on fire and there's a dragon. I'm going to go check that out. And he just happened to follow and he literally stayed with us for the whole campaign. He was just a, (laughs) he was a plot point to introduce my character. He Mm -hmm. got, he just kept rolling nat 20s for whatever reason on everything he did. (laughs) So we said, fuck it, give it, give him a name. We named him Bentley. And he was just our dude who came around places with us. We we're like, he's our favorite. He's special. Protect Bentley <laughs> all costs. This is my but yeah, Bentley. no, but that's cool. And but then, but then, you know, for for that DM, Bentley is, you know, a hint. Like you can hang a lot of stories on that hook of Bentley. Well, he ended um, up doing that. So he ended up yeah. being like, oh well, fuck. If he's going to be with us for the for the interim, well, I guess I should build him up a story about why he's doing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And 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 that turns into you know what I would call emergent backstory, right? Great, yes. Um, you know you you don't need that whole that complex backstory from the jump because you can you know you can author it and come up with it as it's needed, you know. 
it might not be, you know, it might be four or five games in before we say, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm locked up in these manacles. Does Bentley know anything about getting somebody out of something like this? And then you can, you know, tweak Bentley's backstory a little bit to say yes or no. And absolutely, you know, build it up as you go. Yeah, for sure. All right. So in a list of uh, 15 bad DM advice, number 16 is learn to count. uh, You know what? But no, but this is perfect because of the because of the piece of advice that it is. I I, th- I think they did that on purpose because of exactly the piece of advice that it is. I was thinking right? because, uh, and this is and this is actual real advice. Uh, DMs can lie, and that's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I thought this true. was I thought this was subtly be like, hey, don't you know? <laughs> number sixteen DMs always have to tell the truth, but uh, but no, they just added it in. <laughs> they claim that. There's 16 items in the list, but 15 sounded better for the title of the video. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. I'm not a YouTube uh, algorithm uh, specialist. Number 16, the more players, the better. Never turn anyone away. That sounds stressful. Yeah, you know, right? The more questions, the better. You know, we said there was going to be 15, but the 16th question really wanted to be on the list. And you can't say no to it. So, sure, I can. Right? I'm upset Let's- about it. <laughs> you should only ever have as many players as you can reasonably handle. Yeah, how, how many you think you can juggle? Um, there, I've heard of great games with uh, with only two. Some of my favorite uh, actual play shows are three players. Uh, Jim, what's your sweet spot? Five. Five, five E means five is everybody, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I yeah, like I, I agree. Five, five is five the sweet is, spot for D&D. Five gives you enough that you can have a well-rounded party Without like, if you have a party of seven or eight or nine people, just think about in terms of combat, how yeah. long it will take. Oh, and, and moving the spotlight around and stuff like that. Five is five to my mind. Five is perfect because it's manageable and it works. But on any given night, if someone can't show up, you can still run for four without having to tweak things too badly. Sure. Um, which is a you know when you're an adult running a game, <laughs> that's a consideration. Whatever number you have, presume that some percentage of that time you're running with one fewer than that, just because that's the way the world works. But as far as I'm concerned, it's it's five. Yeah, and you start going more than five, and like you can do six, but I think it is a like like once you hit seven, the quality of the game you know starts to go down very quickly, exponentially. Yeah, with with each player that you add, so. You want six players in this action economy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, personally, yeah. I like four or five. They they feel very similar to me. And yeah. building a party with that many different characters can make up for it, its own weaknesses by itself. And I feel like I feel like four and five uh, essentially feels the same to me. Once you get once you hit six and up, it's it's a little ridiculous. And three requires some rebalancing and requires very carefully chosen characters. Yeah, and, and you may and have can, you may have to be a potion heavy, uh, generous DM. If, uh, yeah, or or have a you know whatever you have a, a companion to tank for them, or yeah, yeah, you know whatever essential role that's gonna gonna go unfilled because yep. you've only got the three. But like this is one of those things where people will say, "But they're my friends. How can I say no?" If they're your friends, they'll understand. If well, they'll understand and and. You're fucking over all your other friends mm-hmm. by making the entire game less fun by adding that seventh friend, uh, at which which is just messing with everybody. 
uh, and and you shouldn't do that. So I had that come up uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, and here's how I fixed it. So I, a I, I like four or five players. I'm still a baby DM, and mm-hmm. um, I don't want to complicate things by getting more than that. And also, my table only has six chairs at it, and is barely <laughs> and is barely big enough for there six for six people as it is. Yes. So yeah. um, when I say I have a, a chair open for tonight, I literally have a chair open for tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I had a game where five five players were already set up. Now my, my my fiance does not play, so she invited other friends over to play board games while we played D anD D, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. The reason for us to get our own place is to have that many games going on at once. Sure, yeah. and uh, they heard us, and uh, they heard the story and everything. And the the other friends that they inv- that she invited wanted to play also. She let us in the next one. I'm like, I got I have like nine people who already want to play, and I'm cycling through. So that was my Sunday night game. They came back Wednesday and I played a game with just them. Yeah. Second table. So yeah. mm-hmm. second table, more games. I realize that's a lot of preparation for a DM to do, but like, is there too, is there too much gaming? Is there too, it's uh, when does it, I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as an absolute win. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, if you've got the time and energy to, to run two tables, then run two tables. But the time the management I, is the important part. Like don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, you sure. don't want to burn yourself out. Either. And these are all yeah. these are all pre-made one-shot modules. So like yeah. most of the all the prep work I had to do is just read it. When we ran at the store, it was always like like if we had a, a seven was the worst number of mm. players to have. Because if you had, you know, you could run with six and the table would be perfectly fun. If you got eight, boom, you split it into yep. four and four. But seven was like, fuck. Uh it's gonna be four and three. Okay, all right. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. Uh so you get some but, more experienced players at the three. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and and that was how we would do it. Yeah, we yeah. would have, you know, or, or like, like if three people, if there's like a trio that were there as friends, we'd go like, okay, three, you are going to be one table and we'll have these other four people together yeah. and stuff. But it's, it's all doable, but it's, it, it gets tougher, the, you know, and not only that, but like, not just handling people, but if we go back up further up the list, the like knowing all the rules, if you've got seven different character classes there. And, you know, and when you've got seven people start getting into like, you know, into like esoteric subclasses and all this kind of stuff that just, you know, multiplies your work in, in mm-hmm. ways that go beyond merely I'm doing the same thing, but seven times. So, yeah. And also like once you get past a certain point, it's definitely going to feel it, it's just going to be human nature to leave some players out uh, or just yeah. concentrate way too much on like one, maybe two. This reminds me of um, the horror story we did with Glenn about his um, his game that was clearly just an extension of someone else's LARP. Yeah, they had like eight or nine. Ugh, yeah, uh, they, they have like they have ten players. It was some like insane amount of players. Yeah, and, it was uh, a it, unrealistic number of players. And they just like yeah. it, it. It became all about two players, and everyone yep. else was just along to help them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, having too many will we'll get you. Yeah. We'll get you into that territory. But uh, yeah, make five friends. Make make exactly five friends, and try to try to alienate everybody else so you only have five friends and you never have to deal with that. <laughs> that's, that's certainly my approach. Yep. So, yeah. All right, it's only sixteen. We're done. I promise. So this article can be found uh, not only in the show notes but on uh, the dmlayer.com. This was cool. This was. Uh, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a worse DM now. Guys, uh, I'm so happy more conf- for you. You guys feel more confident in your bad DMing skills. Uh, so I feel like I know if, like, if I wanted to be a bad DM, I have the tools to do it now. Good. Yeah. So I, I this, this, this was, I, I appreciate it. We're here Thank to help you. Jim. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Um, no. Check this out and uh, check everything else out that we have at commercialsanddragons.com. 
Uh, share this podcast with your favorite adventurers and uh, spread the love a little bit. Love to see some more uh, some more faces and names in the comments and stuff. We've got a couple of cool things coming up for the next month. Uh, and I believe this episode is the first one being released on a Monday. So uh, the new release schedule is going to be uh, main episodes on Mondays and horror stories on Fridays. It helps split things up a little bit and it makes my editing schedule a lot easier too. So but you know, if you want to listen on Wednesday, you can still listen on Wednesday. I'm putting it out earlier. I don't care. So uh, that's all I got. Josie, we Jim, thanks so much. You bet. We're, we're yeah. going to send the Geek Squad over to, uh, to Greg and see if we can <laughs> get him back <laughs> online. Uh, but we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Commudgeons and Dragons. Please share this with your favorite adventurers. Leave a review on Apple and follow us on social media. All links can be found at curmudgeonsanddragons.com. Practice safe adventuring, my friends. This has been a JTP Audio podcast. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.